Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to be with our listeners every day, Monday through Friday, and open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, search a little bit more, study further into God's Word, and thereby learn more of His will for our lives. When we get into God's Word, that helps us in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So it's imperative, really. We really cannot emphasize too much the importance of being in God's Word on a regular, consistent basis. Our prayer is that if you're listening and following along with us and studying with us, that your faith is growing. And as your faith grows, you should be coming closer to God. And ultimately, your faith should be growing to the point where you realize you need to walk with God, not just in word, not just in feeling, but in a lifestyle. Our prayer is that you will soon come to make up your mind to come to him through Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus as God's son and your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins so that you can be reborn spiritually, so that you can be forgiven and saved, so that you can be in Christ, so that you can be with God. Our prayer is with you, our prayer is for you, and we really do pray for you. Now we encourage you to talk to other people and encourage them to listen, to search the scriptures. We pray that people will be, on a more widespread basis, will be led to Christ through the teachings of his word that we try to get forth effectively and to God's glory here on Search the Scriptures. We encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to the podcast button, click on that, sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We don't charge anybody anything for the materials that we send out or to be able to utilize all of the study materials and teaching materials on our website. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, you'll receive every day, Monday through Friday, this radio program, Search the Scriptures. You'll also receive a wonderful short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day that we call today's Bible class. And you'll receive a Wednesday night Bible class, a Sunday morning Bible class, and all of our sermons. But at our website, you can also access hundreds of sermons, and for some time now, they have been posted in video format as well as audio. And you can download and read through and study and grow spiritually by studying through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. We encourage you, take advantage of our website. Tell others about the program and tell them about the website, churchofchrist.com. Again, it's free, and it will always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. We're going to begin today the last section in our series talking about the existence of God. Now, there are different approaches that we could use to prove the existence of God for those who might be skeptical, for those who might be, well, 
ignorant, and I'm not talking about in a that ignorance in a demeaning way. They may just have not been taught much about God. They may not have read the Bible much. There are also those, though, who are outright atheists and those who are agnostics and skeptics from a different perspective. They know about God. They just, uh, they're just really hesitant to believe in God for one reason or another. Well, again, different approaches can be taken. You could look at all the different prophecies from Old Testament scriptures and then their fulfillment in New Testament scriptures. So many that from a statistical perspective, it would be impossible for the fulfillment of those prophecies, all of them to be manipulated by somebody and say, okay, this is the fulfillment here. No, that would be impossible. They are so widespread <coughs> and they are so numerous. Well, what we, and then you can get into technical considerations and so on. What I've tried to do on this, in this series is point out from a logical perspective the reasons, the compelling evidence and reasons to believe in God. We talked about morality. Does morality exist within our world today, within our nation, within our culture? Of course it does. There are people all the time talking about moral beliefs and moral positions. We ought to do this or we ought to do that or we ought to abstain from this or we ought to change that because it is a moral issue. For morality to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. And as we went through that particular section of our study, we pointed out, again emphatically, that mankind cannot be that moral lawgiver because we're all over the place on morality. Different people believe certain things are moral and other things are immoral. And other people will come along and they'll say, well, some of those things you think are immoral, I think are moral. Some of those things that you think are moral, I think are immoral. Well, you see, we're all over the place and we keep changing our minds on that, left only to our own belief system. But there has to be a basic standard of morality. And so there has to be a moral lawgiver. Now, all of us would agree on certain aspects of morality. It's immoral to murder somebody. It's immoral to steal from somebody. It's immoral to abuse children. Well, all those, and we could talk about others. Well, for that basic standard of morality to exist, there has to be a moral lawgiver. And God is the only one who can fit that bill, who can fill that position as the basic moral lawgiver. We talked about goodness also. Now, there's a lot of evil all around us. There's a lot of wickedness, a lot of bad things, bad people. But there's also a principle of goodness that we all recognize. We want goodness to prevail. Well, for goodness to, to exist even, there has to be a basic standard for goodness. Again, it can't be whatever our culture says or whatever our government says because we keep changing with the wind all of the time. What we think is good, what we think is not good. But there is a basic level of goodness that we all accept. And so there has to be a 
giver of goodness or a basic standard laying that out for us that we understand that is inherent within our belief system and that basic standard of goodness comes from God. It can come from no other source. Now we did talk about also Bible facts going back into ancient times where scriptures talk about different things from a scientific perspective. They lay out facts that are truly factual. The problem is from a human perspective, we did not learn those facts for, in some cases, thousands of years after they were written down in ancient scripture. Now, how did those writers know those things, such as the earth being round? We did not learn that. We did not figure that out for thousands of years later. How did they know that? How did they know about the atmosphere and the stars in the sky and, and all of those in the planets and the moon and the sun? And How did they know those things? Well, God. God was the source of that knowledge. He is the source of that knowledge. Again, it took us through our human learning process thousands of years to figure those particular facts out from a scientific perspective. But they're right there in Scripture in Old Testament times, thousands of years before we figured them out. We also talked about design. The earth being just the right distance from the moon, just the right distance from the sun, and on and on and on. Design. Design is obvious within the universe around us. Design is obvious within our world in which we live here on this earth. We see things working together in such a harmonious and synchronous fashion. Well, how did that design come to be? If you listen to atheists who absolutely will not accept God being the designer, they'll say it all just happened by chance, accident, just kind of a flash or whatever. Just happened. You know, something happened way back when. Now, they don't know really what happened. They're just theorizing, but they will speak of it as though it's proven fact, and it's not. For there to be intelligent design, there has to be an intelligent designer, and that's God. In this last section that we're going to look at in this series, we're talking about the existence of hope. Hope. Hope is a motivating and sustaining force in life. Hope makes life worth living. It gives us our direction in life, our purpose in life, our meaning in life. Without hope, what would life be? We'd be in a state of hopelessness, and that would be the absolute opposite of hope. Life would be mean nothing, basically. It would have no purpose, no meaning. But now, for hope to be real, just as for there to be a basic standard of morality and a basic realization and reality of goodness, there has to be a basic realistic source of that hope. Now, just as... I tried to emphasize when we were talking about morality, when we were talking about goodness, how do you define goodness? God? You take God out of the picture, 
there's no definition for goodness. There's no meaning for, to goodness. It's whatever everybody thinks in the moment, however they feel about it, and they change their mind with the wind. Same thing with morality. Hope. There has to be a realistic source of hope. If you take God out of the picture again, how do you explain, how do you define, how do you grasp real hope? God is the answer and the only answer. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, the apostle Paul wrote this about God and about hope. He said, now may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Paul not only identified God as the God of hope, not a God of hope, the God of hope, but he also talked about how believing in God and walking with God, living for God, being dedicated to God, gives us the opportunity to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My, what a blessing that it is for us to believe in the God of hope, because that gives us hope. Now, let's talk about hope for a moment. How would you explain hope? How would you define hope? What examples of hope would you give if somebody asks you to, to talk about and explain hope? Well, some people see hope as <laughs> an unrealistic wish. You have a high school student going in or maybe a college student going into final exams. They have skipped a lot of classes. They really haven't done their homework hardly at all, if at all. They have done poorly on every exam that came along through the uh, semester. They come to the final exam. They did not study whatsoever. They don't know the material. And so they go into that final exam day and they hope that they're going to do well. <laughs> Unrealistic dream and wish, isn't it? Or someone, they hope that they're going to make a million dollars this year. Great. What's your job? Well, I don't have a job. What? You don't have a job? What are you good at? Well, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. That's an unrealistic dream, if you're talking about hope in that way. People will hope for things all the time that are in that realm of unrealistic or unrealism. They're, they're not things that, that make sense as to their ability to be able to achieve them or to acquire them. But they'll have those wild dreams, those unrealistic wishes, and to them that's hope. That's not real hope. Hope, as taught in the scriptures, is the desire coupled with or connected with the expectation. That's what real hope is as taught in the scriptures. It's not just a wish. It's not just a dream or a desire, but it is that desire coupled with expectation 
because the desire is connected to their faith in God and their dedication to God. God is the source of real hope. What did Paul say again? Romans 15 and verse 13. He is the God of hope. And if we will walk with him in faithfulness on a consistent basis, he offers us the opportunity to abound in hope. Not just to have a little smattering of it here and there, here today, gone tomorrow, but to abound in hope. Now, ultimately, the fulfillment of the real hope that we are expecting to be given to us, the fulfillment of our hope, if we're living in that faithful lifestyle before God, if we're following him, learning of him and learning his will for our lives through studying his word, the Bible, on a consistent basis, we're looking forward to our ultimate hope is eternal life with him in heaven, a home in heaven forever and ever. And it's not just a wild wish or a dream or an unrealistic desire, but it is the desire, that's where we want to be, but it is connected with or coupled with the expectation Yes, that's going to be my eternal destiny because God offers it to me. And God is the God of hope. And I'm looking forward to that ultimate abundance of the hope that I harbor in my life because I'm walking with God. I came to him through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I turned my life around by God's blessing. I repented of my sins I have been baptized, and the blood of Christ shed, shed on the cross at that point cleansed me of the guilt of my sins. I was made new, reborn spiritually. I became a new creation spiritually. And as I became a Christian, I received the promise of the fulfillment of that ultimate hope of an eternal life, an eternal home, with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven. That's the ultimate hope. So when Paul says that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, those are not empty words. Those are not unrealistic statements or offerings we're talking about the promise from God, the source of real hope. The Apostle Paul faced possible execution confidently. He had been taken into custody by the Roman garrison in Jerusalem. He would go through, in fact, he had already been incarcerated probably for about two years by this time as he was standing in a hearing before the Roman governor and King Agrippa, king of the Jews, he would be sent to Rome and be incarcerated for probably another two years. So he's right kind of in the middle of this four-year period of being a prisoner. And he recognized that, yeah, the possibility is I'm going to be executed. 
I'm never going to get out of jail alive. I'll be executed. That's, that was a real possibility. The Roman governor, who had the ultimate authority, he was sending him to Rome to stand before Caesar because that was Paul's right as a Roman citizen to appeal his case before the emperor. But Caesar did not believe in God. Caesar was an idol worshiper. Did not understand Christianity, really. And so Paul recognized the real possibility that he could be executed for being a Christian, for his belief in Jesus Christ and in God. So he's standing before the Roman governor and before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. And we read this in verses 6 and 7. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise are 12 tribes earnestly serving God, night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Now the Jews had instigated his ultimate incarceration. They wanted to kill him. Because they did not, now they believed in God, but they did not believe in Christ as being the Savior. They did not like it that Paul was going around teaching Jews Christianity, and many Jews were becoming Christians. And so he's in jail. And actually, when the garrison in, in, in uh, Jerusalem arrested Paul, they probably saved his life. Because he was probably about to be beaten to death by an angry mob. And so the Jews were pressing their, the Jewish leadership were pressing their supposed case against Paul. They wanted him executed. They wanted him out of the way. And Paul simply says, I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise, not the hope of a wild wish, but the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. He really emphasizes this hope in this initial part of his address. To this promise are 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Paul was simply, he was living in that promise, that promised hope that God offers to everyone who will come to him through Jesus Christ. God's way. We have that opportunity for that same hope to sustain us, guide us, direct us, strengthen us throughout the rest of our physical lives on this earth. Hope. That hope is so powerful because it is given to us by the God of hope. We'll go a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for offering us the hope of eternal life, salvation through Jesus Christ, a home in heaven with you and him and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Father, oh my, how people all over the world need to learn of and grasp this hope. Please help them. Please help them through these lessons as well. Please help them to find this hope in you through Christ. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray. And our prayer is offered to you in Jesus' name. Amen.